Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! You're listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Between now and the Pirates' scheduled season opener on August 29th against Marshall, we will take a daily trip down memory lane as we will talk to former East Carolina football players about their path to ECU, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate football. Welcome to the Sports Objective Podcast, coming to you on a Tuesday afternoon. As you can see there on the bottom of the screen, uh, my typical co-hosts, Dave Richmond and Kyle Barber, were unable to join me. They're on assignment, but I'm very excited to have with me former East Carolina tight end, Jay Sonhalter. Jay, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, Bubba, so much. Thanks for calling me out of the bullpen. Glad to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> I always love having you on, and I particularly thought about having you on as a guest co-host. Uh, for for uh, this particular show, and the reason why um, we're having one of your former teammates uh, on the offensive side of the ball with the Pirates from 2003 to 2007, uh, former East Carolina wide receiver Stephen Rogers on the program. Stephen, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Bubba, and uh, always nice to catch up with you, Jay. Um, and uh, look forward to uh, diving into conversation today. So before we talk about your path to East Carolina and um, your years with the Pirates, like I mentioned, were from 2003 to 2007. Uh, I know you're down in your native Georgia. You were born and raised in Augusta, and now you're living right outside of Atlanta. So how are things with you on these last four-plus months with the craziness that is COVID-19? It's been a little crazy. Uh, Right now I'm in Alpharetta, uh, Georgia. Uh, It's about 15 miles north of Atlanta, but – I'm currently with a company called Sonendo, and we are in the, uh, the dental field. So I sell a new procedure that um, basically does root canals for these doctors. And um, uh, it's uh, I cover about four states. So I haven't been able to travel nearly as much and call my doctors as much as I have been. But we've been figuring out new ways to um, kind of navigate the, the, I guess, the situation that we're in to, to still be helpful to some of our uh, customers and be able to follow up with prospects and try to um, get people hopping on our products. So uh, a lot of Zoom meetings and uh, uh, webinars I've been on in the past couple months. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a teacher and a coach, and so I've certainly become uh, well acquainted with Zoom over the last several months as well. And I'd love to know uh, how their business is booming in the, the benefits they've reaped um, just as far as the, the revenue they have coming in. Yeah, I could only imagine. I bet they're not uh, uh, too upset with the COVID situation. Not at all. Um, they certainly <laughs> had a, a unfortunate circumstances, but an excellent shot to prove how um, how excellent their product is for sure. But um, kind of shifting gears, um, I talked about uh, you you're born and raised in Augusta, Georgia. So uh, take us back there um, to, to your upbringing and and so forth. Obviously, when you think of Augusta, Georgia, you think of the Masters. Uh, coming up, I, I know golf is something you enjoy, and we'll talk about that more later on. But um, 
I believe what you said, baseball was actually your main sport, baseball and basketball. And then you started playing football your sophomore year at Evans High School. So just talk a little about your uh, childhood and the sports that were important to you. So growing up, I um, always loved playing football in the backyard with friends. And, and in PE, I was always one of the better guys uh, playing. But um, basketball and baseball were two big sports that that I was in um, as soon as I could walk. I always uh, eat, drink, and live sports. And that was a big passion of mine. And um, uh, playing AAU basketball growing up and baseball, um, I did very well in both of those sports, but I always had a, a strong desire to play football. And I would always ask my parents, my father's a radiologist, so he sees broken bones all the time from sports and whatnot. So uh, my parents initially thought that uh, I would ruin a possible basketball or baseball career in, in college. But uh, uh, little did we know that in my sophomore year, my junior year, I got a lot better. My senior year, I had a great year that uh, I would end up uh, getting a scholarship to play uh, college football. So uh, I remember my AAU coach when I was uh, telling him I was going to go play football this year. He said, you're the biggest idiot I ever know. So uh, you're going to ruin your basketball career. So he, he said he was wrong. So that was nice. <laughs> With Steven, when you, you know, when you're getting closer to your senior year, when you kind of, realize, you know, hey, football is going to be my route I'm going on. You're getting recruiting interest. What did that recruiting interest look like from East Carolina and other schools? I mean, what made you decide to come up to ECU? So initially, East Carolina was not on my radar at all. Um, prior to my senior season, my dad and I, we traveled a lot in the southeastern United States. I'd gone to uh, the bigger schools, your Georgia, your Clemson, your South Carolina, um, uh, down to even an Auburn camp, um, Middle Tennessee, uh, App State. But uh, none of the real, I guess you can say, SEC schools. I had a couple preferred walk-ons from them, but none of them really um, offered me a scholarship. Um, but um, I had a lot of interest from uh, like Furman, 1AA schools and and uh, my first offer ever was my junior year was Valdosta State down in South Georgia. I know they threw a lot, but uh, East Carolina came on the map midway through my senior season. And um, it's when John Thompson's uh, staff kind of got the uh, the go ahead that they're going to be uh, heading to to Greenville, and he was leaving Florida. So I got a coach from Coach o or a call from Coach Odom first. And uh, told me they had interest in me. Uh, as we had sent film to everyone. So kind of rewinded back, my father and I, after every game, we would go over um, every Friday night and Saturday. We would take film from the past two to three games. And every two to three weeks, we would send highlight tapes to 50 to 60 different schools. So whether they actually saw them or not, I think some of them did because I would get calls that people that said they saw my tape. So uh, that was one thing I did a lot my senior year to kind of prepare uh, the recruiting process. And uh, some schools started like following up with me and um, East Carolina was one of them. And then I was, and I was going through your uh, bio on ecupirate.com preparing for this interview, just uh, refreshing my memory uh, from your time uh, down in Augusta in high school. Um, one of the things that really stood out, especially even more so now, uh, the fact that, that you didn't start playing until your sophomore year. 
Uh, you had over 120 receptions your junior and senior years combined and more than 1,700 yards and had established yourself as one of the top 50 or 60 players in the state of Georgia. So uh, that that's all the more impressive considering you started playing the game so late. Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was something that just came natural. And um, uh, I really always, even though I didn't play, um, uh, I guess, organized football, uh, I always wanted to play in the backyard against the older kids and I always uh, did really well in PE. So um, uh, I finally uh, talked my parents into it and I was very appreciative. I mean, at that time, my sophomore year, I wasn't a big kid. I was my height. It's I weighed a buck thirty five. So even though I'd put in a thousand calories a day, I could not gain any weight. Yeah, that that sounds like one of your teammates, uh, Zach Slate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, imagine. He would put in a lot of calories to try to get up. <laughs> hey, but Stephen, you know, going back to the basketball and how that translates over to football, you know, when you think about all the different sports you played, it really does transfer over to football, whether that's, you know, your hands or whether that's the agility or the ability to make cuts or box out a defensive back or speed. How, how much do playing basketball and just really being a great athlete really help you transfer over into the football? I think one of the biggest um, helpful things that basketball did for me um, was being able to change direction as quickly as possible. So as a wide receiver, if you think about it, if you have press coverage, um, you're going to have someone that's going to be right on you face to face, uh, right before the ball is hiked and you got to be able to get off the ball. You'd be able to get, get away from the defender and separate. So being a point guard all the time, you have guys pressuring on you to be able to, uh, change pace, to be able to run away, to be able to make them think you're going right, but you're actually going left to get some separation. That could be the difference of a catch in football. And that's one thing that I took away from being able to take people off the dribble in basketball to be able to take that skill to be able to get off jam coverage, to be able to get this slant catch and whatnot. So that's one thing that translated very well. And also rebounding, going up to try to get a jump off. So if you want to moss someone, you got to feel comfortable jumping up and be able to adjust to where a ball comes off that rim. you got to be able to uh, move your ball if you don't get the perfect pass to you. Yeah. <laughs> now, Stephen, uh, Jay referenced your recruitment. Obviously, um, John Thompson's staff is coming in. John Thompson had been down as defensive coordinator at uh, University of Florida. Um, so who was your – well, I know it was Lonnie Galloway was your position coach, but um, mm -hmm. who was handling your recruitment in, in addition to Coach, coach Tate? So Coach Fred Tate uh, was – he was one of my favorite coaches I ever had, but he was, a, I believe, a defensive line coach, linebacker coach at East Carolina – well, John Thompson was here, but uh, I had met him when I went to Middle Tennessee uh, to their, um, I guess, recruiting camp, quote unquote, um, between my junior and senior season. So when he had left there, I believe that probably ignited a little bit of John Thompson and Coach Odom to call me to kind of get East Carolina on the map. Um, most of the schools that offered me were one double A schools, but I did have. Uh, offer from Southern Miss uh, late in my senior season. I did not go to the university. It just didn't work out with timing. I did make it to Greenville. So, 
And then I had an offer the week. Of, it was a late offer from Kentucky. Um, Joker Phillips had left South Carolina, which actually Skip Holtz was there, ended up being my coach. And when he had left South Carolina, um, he had called me when he uh, went to Kentucky last minute, but I had already committed to Greenville and, and decided to stay. Bubba, you there? Hey, I got you now, I think. Yeah, I got you. Sorry, that my mistake. Um, I muted myself I for a second. I I muted myself, and we had we've been getting some feedback, uh, so I apologize to our viewers. But um, there, as you see on the bottom left corner of your screen, uh, East Carolina wide receiver from back in the Pat Dye era, uh, and also a native of the state of Georgia, Terry Gallagher. Terry, welcome in. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be here, so I'm a little bit hot and sweaty. I'm trying to finish up. With all this moving and packing and everything, it's, uh, but we're halfway in Wilmington now. Gotcha. <laughs> so you're, you're actually, are, you're back in, uh, Warner Robins at the moment. I'm back at, I'm back in, uh, Georgia, right, right gotcha. now. Yeah. Got to finish so, up, getting the house done. So, uh, okay. So yeah. Very quickly, um, as, as you're joining the show and we're talking about, uh, Stephen Rogers recruitment you know, back there in the early 2000s as John Thompson was coming in. And he was talking about Coach Lonnie Galloway and Fred Tate. And so, um, Stephen, I know one of the things that um, you really uh, reiterated in some some quotes that I had seen from you somewhere was just uh, how important and how impressive the Pirate fan base was to you. So uh, to talk about that, and was that something more after you came to East Carolina that you became um, obviously even more aware of the fan base East Carolina has? It was a little bit of both. So um, I believe Seth Yates was uh, out of uh, Evans High School, and he went to East Carolina as well. So I picked his brain a little bit um, uh, during this whole process, and he told me about how passionate and how big uh, the fan base was. And um, I love the just the atmosphere. I love the school. Um John Thompson, even though it didn't really work out that well, I think he's a fantastic guy. Actually, I just found out two days ago that he has a clothing store that's about two miles from my house. I found out that last week, so <laughs> I may go by there and say hello to him at some point. Now, Steve, but, what, um, what year did you come uh, out of? Uh, I, I did like uh, – I'm sorry. I came out of uh, Greenville. I came out in – No, uh, what, what year did you come out of Evans? I came out of Evans in 03. So um, I went to uh, Lakeside High School my sophomore and junior year. Then I transferred my senior year because. Ooh, uh, how'd they like that up there? Evans had switched their <laughs> offense. They call me the Benedict Arnold. That's what. See, people uh, may not realize I, I was coaching at Warren right, Robbins right. High School at that time, and I, I'd been at Northside High School before, and Evans was in our region for quite a long time. So uh, they, we had had a pretty good history with uh, having to travel to Evans, and um, Evans was known to do some um, some wheeling and dealing on the sidelines with their coaches. Uh, you, you remember the uh, the uh, the microphone in the helmet, uh, Steve? 
<laughs> I do. I do remember that. I do remember that. That was before my time, but uh, uh, of course you had Coach nothing Bobby, to do with uh, uh, it. Had right. nothing to do with that, but I do Absolutely. remember that. Yeah, because Evans actually got put out of the state playoffs because they they had beat us the week before, and uh, we uh, we figured out what they were doing, and uh, they sure enough they had to, had put a, a somehow they had configured uh, uh, earphones in the quarterback's helmet, and they were and, and the way it helped is that you didn't have confusion on what the play was going to be. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of clarity on the field. And it was almost like the guy, the quarterback had eyes in the back of his head, people would say. <laughs> well, come to find out he did. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is funny. Right. They, had, they had guys uh, – I apologize about that, Stephen. We had a little bit of lag. But I was just – I was just chiming in with, so Terry, um, with your comment, the quarterback had eyes in the back of his head. They had coaches signaling in plays, and the quarterback wasn't looking at him whatsoever, huh? No, uh, he was it was in his ear. So uh, it's uh, it's really something. But that's how serious it is. And what Evans Evans is um, is the um, kind of the suburb of Augusta. Yep. And, uh, and so when, when Evans and Lakeside Evans were built, they, they would, uh, became two pretty good schools. So I know Lakeside was good in baseball as well. Yep, so yeah, really uh, Evans good was program. too. Right. Evans, Evans was too. But anyway, yeah, I was glad to see you guys come up there. Uh, good. It's always good to have Georgia boards up there at East Carolina. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I think I, I'm a little biased, but I do think Georgia football is some of the best football in the nation. Oh yeah, we may not have the uh, the quantity as you know California or somewhere, but we definitely got the quality. And uh, of course, it goes back to good coaching too. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm retired. I'm a has been now, so it don't matter. But uh, well, Warner Robinson's uh, got some fantastic football. Oh yeah. Yeah. Northside, my 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 brother-in-law. he is at the Air Force. Air Force so base, go, right? Every other time. So, Stephen, um, we talked about your path to East Carolina, mm-hmm. how, how you became a pirate. Uh, so, um, um, before we dive into your time at ECU, I wanted to ask you one more question. Just um, growing up there in Augusta, Georgia. Um, of course, the Pirates were coming off a four and eight season, but uh, prior to that, um, we had had a lot of success in the late nineties and two thousand under uh, Steve Logan, um, David Garrard at quarterback, so on and so forth. So, uh, what was your uh, familiarity with the Pirate program? Um, with Seth Yates, there I had a little bit of familiarity, but uh, the one game that really sticks out to me was the bowl game against Marshall. Um, even before I was a um, uh, with uh, I believe it was Gerard and Leftwich. Before I yeah. even like um, uh, that, that game always sticks out to me in my mind of, of like my first um, like real serious like sitting down watching East Carolina. Um, I, growing up, I was a big Georgia fan. My father went to Georgia, so I was always watching them. Uh, but uh, part of me wishes I would have focused more on East Carolina before because I do think the university is special. And I'm always appreciative of them taking a chance on me to to, to play. And uh, it was a great privilege to play with them on Saturday 
in my time there. So after arriving on the scene in 2003, uh, you redshirted that first year. And, and then, uh, like you said, I needed to, to continue to add some weight and, uh, and get stronger and prepare your body for the rigors of Division One football. Um, but just talk about your first experiences getting on the field. So I, mean, I will never forget my first weigh-in at East Carolina. I was 160. I was still still uh, real, real, real thin and uh, redshirted that first year. And then uh, the next year I'd put on 10 to 15 pounds. And then uh, the final year, my sophomore year, when I actually started playing, um, I was about like 185. But uh, I think my body took a little bit longer to mature more than some of the other guys on the team. But um, – uh, I do remember uh, once Skip Holtz and, the, and that staff came on, Coach K that is there right now, Coach Kirkpatrick, he was my wide receiver coach. And um, I felt that I was better than some of the guys that were ahead of me. And I'd sit down and talk to him my sophomore year. He said, well, if you keep um, keep your head down, keep trucking around, if you get your opportunity, then we'll go. And then there was an injury that happened in front of me, that was someone that was playing in front of me. And uh, uh, the last four or five games of that season, uh, I started and then started my whole junior and senior season. Um, and uh, I'll never forget my first catch was a slant uh, at Tulsa where we – it was a good game until halftime, and then we get our butt kicked in the second half. But uh, uh, i tell you one thing while I was at East Carolina that I take a lot of pride in that we did it with Skip Holtz's teams is we had a big chip on our shoulder, and we wanted to get the program back to where I know we could be. I thought we had a fantastic team. I thought we had a great coaching staff. And um, every year we went out there, we did, or every game that we went out there, we thought we could win. So uh, that's one thing that, that uh, uh, he instilled in us, and a lot of the players there kind of um, had a great team locker room that last two to three years while I was there. And I think that's something that's really big and plays a big role because we were were a family. And uh, I think that goes a far way. Steven, what what do you think was the biggest difference in, you know, when you first got there and Coach Thompson was there in your freshman year to kind of the the philosophy of the program, the culture, when you were a freshman to when you were a senior when Coach Holtz came in, you know, the the next year? What what did the culture change – kind of enable us to do success wise and then you, know, you were such a huge a huge part of the offense you know especially junior and senior year talk about your development and how you continue to work hard and, and get better to make that impact I think the first two years with John Thompson's team there's a lot of frustration and um, because we weren't winning and uh, uh, due to that I think there's a lot of kind of individuals that have just weren't as happy, whether it was with playing time or um, uh, how things were getting – or plays weren't getting called their way or whatnot. I just didn't feel like we were a true family. But when Skiffles came, kind of felt a little different in that, um, in a way, you kind of have to get over yourself, and it's more about the team. And um, uh, obvi- obviously, it's just a team sport. And if you don't have that mindset, if you have 10 guys doing one thing and one guy doesn't do his thing, everyone, we could have had a touchdown on the play, but you could have a five-yard loss because one person didn't do their, do their role. 
But um, I think once we got the mindset that you do it for your brothers, you do it for the university, and uh, you try your best, you grind as hard as you can, and whether someone has more talent than you or they don't, you never let up, and you try, you bust your tail every single play. And um, that's the kind of mindset that I took into it because if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't played as much as I did. And um, and uh, I was very fortunate to uh, be able to have a healthy career or healthy last two years while I was there. So I got on the field a good bit, and we went to two bowl games. Yeah, Stephen, uh, talk about uh, you referenced DK, Donnie Kirkpatrick, who's the Pirates offensive coordinator now, um, entering his uh, second year back with the program on Coach Houston's staff. Uh, and, Jay, you can chime in with this as well. Obviously, I know Phil Petty was your position coach. But uh, y'all talk about um, Coach Kirkpatrick behind the scenes. He's obviously a tremendous personality and uh, a tremendous football coach. And uh, I, I know his wide receivers – Obviously, uh, do a tremendous job catching and uh, running with the football, but then uh, they're also tremendous blockers. If you weren't blocking, you weren't going to play. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so that that that's one thing. So if you didn't if you didn't try, you didn't hustle. Coach Carpaccio didn't care. He wasn't going to put you on the field. Um, uh, to this day, he's one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, great guy. He knows how to motivate. Um, if you're getting too full of yourself, he knows how to bring you down. If, uh, if he needs to, to pick you back up, if you're getting down on yourself, he knows how to bring you back up. So he is very good at, at reading his players and being able to get the best and get all the potential that he could get out of, um, uh, his, his players. I mean, Jay, you could probably second that. I mean, you yeah. had some good experience with Coach K. Well, I mean, Co- Coach Kirkpatrick, I mean, just like what you said, he had so much attention to detail and he cared about the players and, you know, he knew, he knew how to push, you know, when to push, when to pull back, how to motivate, you know, how to get along with the guys and, you know, how to teach them the skill to be successful. You know, another part about, you know, the, the coaching staff then and same thing with Coach Patrick now is it's not, you're not just coaching that position group. Like you have to have chemistry with the other position coaches and the whole offense has to be a machine at one. So if the receivers, you know, if it's a running play, the tight ends have to block their man, but the receivers have to block their guys. You know, it can't just be the offensive line and tight ends. Or if it's, you know, a route called, you know, the receivers have to get their depth. The tight ends have to get their depth. So everybody has to be on the same page. And, and that coaching staff, there is a chemistry between them. There's a chemistry between all the position groups. But Coach Kirkpatrick, um, you know, was one of the smartest coaches, and it's, it's Steven. Steven was like perfect. He never got yelled at. Some of the other guys did. <laughs> but Steven, Steven, uh, I mean, was one, always blocking. Always in the line of Steven I was, I was the one that was getting yelled at. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you missed you a couple guys, of days in the wide receiver room. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys don't realize how, uh, you know, I, I, I am probably one of the uh, most unique uh, college football players by the fact that I had the same position coach. The coach that recruited me was there the whole time, and I had the same head coach my whole career. So I didn't go through wow. any changes whatsoever. Wow. And, of course, you, you guys are talking about uh, chemistry with the coaches. See, that's what Coach Dye – Coach Dye didn't have a revolving door on his uh, coach's office. Uh, people came there. They wanted to stay there. 
And um, Coach Dye, in fact, I talked to Coach Dye the day before he went in the hospital uh, back in April. And uh, he told me, he said, uh, he said, uh, make sure I told him those folks. He said, tell them folks up there in Greenville how much I love them. And, uh, you know, oh, he man. said there never was any other place like ECU and that uh, had things been uh, different that he would, he you know, he would have liked to have stayed his whole career there. But it just wasn't meant to be. So, but uh, that's one thing about East Carolina that I've always uh, been very uh, uh, appreciative of and grateful for is how much of a, uh, I mean, we're all pirates. And regardless of when we played or who we played for or whatever, uh, we have that connection because we've been there and we know what it's like out there. And I don't know if y'all had that tobacco barn near y'all whenever <laughs> it used to be a tobacco barn right there beside the practice field. And in the August practices, that tobacco get hot. <laughs> That's some stinking stuff, but <laughs> there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being an ECU pirate, I'm telling you. The heat, the humidity, uh-huh. that, that, is a, that is a rough August to go through. Go ahead, Stephen. I, I said I would second that. It's uh, purple and gold, baby. It's um, uh, a privilege to be part of the university. And I, it would have been nice to have uh, the same offensive coordinator all four years. I was talking to my father the other day. We were watching the – it was two weekends ago. I was back home, and we actually pulled up the the uh, ECU versus UNC game and just watched it, just to kind of reminisce. And uh, it was nice to hear Jeff call the game again. I actually reached out to him and said it was nice hearing him calling the games as well. Absolutely. When you think throughout of throughout my whole career, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm just just hearing him call. You there? Yeah. Well, well, sorry, I, I, I was just letting you finish. I had a little bit of lag and uh, okay. I didn't, realize, didn't realize you weren't done with your thought on okay. Jeff. Yeah, but my my sophomore year of high school, when I first started playing, until my junior year in college, I had a different offensive coordinator Ooh. every single year. Ooh. So my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year of high school, all three different offensive coordinators. Then it was um, uh, Jeff Stockstill, then Noah Brandeis, and then Coach Shankweiler, and then Finch for my last two years. So I had – the, wow. the eight years I played football, I had seven different offensive coordinators. Wow. So it's just kind of odd. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, so it was nice to have my junior and senior season the same playbook. Yeah. So, oh. Stephen, Stephen, talking about your success during uh, the, those 2006 and 2007 seasons, uh, like you said, and you certainly uh, – Found your role in the Pirate offense, um, accumulated nearly 50 receptions for over 600 yards combined between those two seasons. And, um, I mean, during those years, we had the likes of Andre Allison, Jamar Bryant, and others. So, uh, so talk about, um, your success, but then also on uh, just the success of the receiving core as a whole and some of those guys you're, um, alongside in the receiver room. Um, it was kind of a family. I mean, if, uh, my college roommates, my whole career, were uh, Kevin Roach and Bobby Good. So we would go to practice together. We would uh, 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 go back to our houses and whatnot. So we, our locker room was basically our house. So 
uh, we being in the meeting rooms to practice to that. So uh, the two buddies that I, that I still keep in contact with is, and uh, those are my roommates, but we definitely had some talented players while I was there at East Carolina to, from Andre Allison, uh, two guys, a couple guys that played in the league, Andre Allison and Dwayne Harris was there a couple years. Um, Georgia, uh, uh, obviously, Andre Chris Johnson. Played Georgia military. <laughs> that was a Georgia connection. Yep, he played at. Yep, he played at Georgia military, and uh, Dwayne was from Tucker High School uh, outside of Atlanta. That was my first coaching job in high school. Was Tucker. It took him a while to get over me. <laughs> yeah, some good athletes outside of Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Stephen and Jay, but we had a we had a tight knit group. Yep. Now go ahead. We had a tight knit group, so um, we had a good time to where we we pushed each other as hard as we could, and um, we also joked around like we were brothers. So uh, it, it's a kind of a connection, and uh, I'm sure a lot of other football players would attest to this. The one thing you miss the most is probably the locker room and the camaraderie you have with the other guys, and just. Just being able to cut up, have a good time, but also push each other to be as as uh, good as you can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bobby Good and Kevin Roach. We'd love to have those guys on the program. Um, excellent receivers in their own right. Um, and uh, you mentioned Dwayne Harris. So, so I mean, Dwayne had redshirted in two thousand and six, and then obviously played two thousand seven through two thousand and ten. Uh, I remember hearing stories from, from, from maybe you, Jay, and then also Britt Johnson, uh, who I know is a, a good friend of you guys, and in addition to being a former teammate. So just talk about um, Dwayne Harris and practice when he was on the scout team. I heard he did some stuff that would just absolutely turn heads, like we saw on Saturdays eventually. Uh, he was one of the best football players I've ever seen in my life, and I'll tell people that it just came natural to him. I, I, I honestly think – the 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 best skill that Dwayne had was to be able to be hit and bounce off like a ping pong ball and be able to keep his balance. He was fast, but he was not Chris Johnson fast. But if you hit him or try to tackle him and move forward, and I've never seen someone like that in my life to be able to adjust his body to to keep his balance to either stay in bounds or be able to bounce off a tackle like it was nothing. It was pretty impressive. Certainly. Um, he, he was fast, but then the, that power and strength that you referenced and ability and the, the balance. Um, I, I think of a couple different ones. I think of, I want to say it was uh, maybe it was the 2009 game against Southern Miss that the, had on the Pirate Rewind here recently uh, where uh, Dwayne, it was the reverse. Uh, whoever the receiver was, the quarterback flipped it to him. And so Dwayne took it down our sideline after nearly uh, the toss was almost behind him. So we avoided the disaster then. Uh, I remember that play uh, distinctly being at the game. I was thinking, well, hey, if we can just get uh, no lost yardage here after nearly fumbling it, that would be good. And then Dwayne broke two or three tackles, and next thing you knew, he was in the end zone. Exactly. I mean, it was really good. It was a, a play on a reverse that he took to the house uh on that UTEP game the other night where a guy pushed him at like seven-yard seven, seven yard line and he just kept his balance and went right in. And then I also think Coach Ruff's first year against NC State when we beat those guys um, in, in overtime um, when Dwayne had a tremendous punt return uh, where he, like you said, it looked like he was going down and then all of a sudden uh, 
it's like the state guy stopped because they thought he was down. And next thing you knew, he was 20 or 25 yards up the field running down the Pirates' sideline. Exactly. He was good. But I, I think our receiving core, we had a really good um, uh, squad when I was there. We had Philip Henry was fantastic. Juwan was good. Mike Hickman was a fantastic athlete as well. And um, uh, Jamar was also a special talent. So um, we had some um, good players there that, that 2006, 2007 uh, season. And it was, it was good to play with. And you can't forget Jay Sunholter, obviously. Of course not. Of course not. Even it is Jason Halter. Jason. I, I should have put, put up on my nameplate just Sonny. Instead of my full name. Yeah, Sonny. <laughs> exactly. No, Steven, Steven, that's a running joke between uh, me, Dave, Kyle, and Jay. Uh, Kyle said, Jay, he said, have you ever had anyone call you Jason Halter? <laughs> All the time. Jason that would Halter. be great. I think I got his new name again. Yeah, it's it's so Jason funny because there's, so there's so many people from EC. Like, obviously, like, people I'm close to know my name. But there's so many people. I mean, Stephen, I think there's guys on the team that don't even know my real name. They just know me as Sonny. <laughs> as Sonny. I mean, that's yeah, what we called you all the time. Yeah, Sonny. Real name <laughs> Jason. Jay. Who's Jay? Yeah, your name's Sonny Sunholter, right? Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay? Who's the Jay character? Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Steve, uh, Steve uh, did you play with, uh, with Drew Sutton on the team when you were playing then? Got I did uh, play with Juson and uh, Jamarcus uh, Ville. Okay, J- Drew, I, I coached. He was at Warner Robins High School when I was coaching there. Then Jamarcus played at Northside High School. That's the that's mm-hmm. the high school I actually came from. So uh, yeah, Jamarcus is doing well now. He, I think he's uh, actually, I think he's a preacher. Uh, uh, yeah, man. I think he is, and I think Drew mm-hmm. may be in construction or something. Right, but um, with, that, that's correct. With social yeah, media, yeah, about, about believe, so. around Charlotte, I think maybe something like that. Our contractor, but uh, you, yeah, you were up in a uh, Raleigh area. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure where he he'd gone. Um, but yeah, uh, got to keep that Georgia connection. And uh, just because I'm moving to North Carolina, don't think we're going to dry up down here. <laughs> nah, you're, you're a Georgia boy through and through. <laughs> there's there's plenty more players down here that need to come. Go ahead, Mama. I think they'll get back to doing that because the previous coaching staff didn't want to have anything to do with anything south of Atlanta. That was the only area that uh, he would recruit. Uh, right. City speed. City speed. <laughs> yeah, city speed. But it's I don't know why you would not recruit. Yeah. It's some country boys. You got to get you got to get out there and find these these guys, and they're they're here in this state because a lot of we just don't have as many schools play here. So uh, there's a lot of kids here don't get the chance to play that could actually go off and play. Steven, remember all the arguments in the locker room about what state had the best high school football? <laughs> or North oh, Carolina? the best best high. Yeah, it was the best. <laughs> It was either that or who was the best rapper? Who was the yeah, best, best rapper, rapper at the time? Yeah. Or who the best rapper was at the time or who had the best state or who had the best talent? Hey, we know who the best rapper was, Jay. That, 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 that's Murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, Murder was happy he dropped some lines. Yeah, he did. <laughs> 
But I don't know why any coach would not want to recruit like south of Georgia, south of I twenty, because Warner Robbins has some amazing talent. Valdosta has some great talent. You get some Peach good talent. Peach County. Peach County. Yeah. Peach County. Players in South Georgia. And there, and it's, uh, you know, it's, um, like I say, we just, there, there's not many schools here that do, uh, colleges that play football. So a lot of kids here, uh, wind up not getting an opportunity. And uh, that's a shame. Yeah. But uh, I think we got a, a wide receiver committed from, um, Valdosta right now. We do. Um, Yep. Yeah, I saw him play. He's good. He's good. That's that's good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just want to uh, – since I've played, I don't think there's been an 83, a number 83 that, that's played much at all. So I'm waiting for someone to kind of get back out there. <laughs> they, they retired it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Stephen, I know we're running a little tight on time. The final East Carolina uh, point I wanted to yeah. make, Jay, Jay alluded to this earlier, and I wanted to touch on this before we talk about what you're up to now and because uh, and, and, you already did that a little at the beginning of the conversation. But um, Jay talked about, and, and you, I think, re- and just referenced it also, um, when you were coming into the program, the program was on the decline. Uh, we had won four games in 2002. Then we went 1-11, 2-9, but then Coach Holt's first – season uh, he came in with an excellent plan tremendous coaching staff uh, we nearly went bowling won five ball games and then of course we did go bowling next year winning seven games and uh, the papa john's.com bowl and um and then your senior year we won eight and knocked off boise state who had just beaten oklahoma the mm-hmm. previous year in the uh, fiesta bowl so i know uh, you and your teammates uh, like jay uh, y'all had to take a lot of pride in the the program uh, getting back to where it needed to be and laying the foundation for those conference titles that, uh, that we were able to win in 2008 and 2009. Yeah. I, I feel like Jay and I deserve one of those rings. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would like to say. I agree. <laughs> one of those championship rings, but um, going from those first two seasons that were just brutal. And then um, uh, when, when Skip coach Holtz had come in, uh, a lot of the players that had, that we kind of came together as a family and we had a lot of, a big chip on our shoulder because we thought we were better than what we were performing. And our goal was to get to a bowl game that first year. And even though we won five, which was significantly better than what we had done prior, uh, we felt that we had fallen short because we had busted our butt so hard and we felt that we had the talent and the coaching staff to get to a bowl game. So, and and we believe that the history of East Carolina and the the fans and um, the university and the football program and from the past, um, we're a team that should be bowl eligible every year. Um, we're not scared to play anyone. Um, uh, when we were there, we would play any anyone at any time, uh, and um, we we took that attitude uh, to the field to try to win every single game we could. So. Um, as a team, we just came together, and it was it was one thing that uh, we enjoyed being able to get this university back on track. And uh, I kind of wish I would have gotten double redshirted so I could have won that uh, championship uh, <laughs> uh, in two thousand. Uh, what was it? Two thousand eight season. Yeah. Well, uh, the four years, uh, my four years, seventy five, six, seven, and eight. 
we only played 11 games. And, uh, of course, we did good at the Independence Bowl. So we were 34 and 11. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. We, wow. we, uh, eight and three was our worst. But, uh, then, you know, we dropped out to Southern Conference, and that's we're the ones who uh, started East Carolina on the way to, to being a Division One school. Good feeling. Yeah. yeah that's that's like a great we feeling. We played a week schedule, but all we could do was play the ones on our schedule. But what it did do was open the door for the schedules that you guys got to play and a bunch of others. And uh, my whole thing was this. All we did was take what was already there and move it forward. And that's what I think each, 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 you know, the next team, that's what the next team does. The next team takes what's there and moves it forward. And if we would just get that going and keep it going, uh, you know, we would be a contender. But, uh, you know, it's just one of them things. We have a, a two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. For some reason, we just can't maintain that momentum once we get it. But uh, I, I know one thing. I'm, I don't think about when we played, we expected to win. I don't care who we played. It didn't matter. It, we, we expected to win. And uh, the one thing you had to do was beat us because we weren't going to hand it to you. So if you did beat us, you know, you, you, you had to, you, you're going to get, uh, beat up a little bit yourself, but, uh, well, you know, that's, that's, that's the mentality. Uh, we're winners. That's what East Carolina football is all about. And not to get on a tangent, uh, or go down a rabbit hole, so to speak. Um, but just to very quickly elaborate on what you're saying, Terry, that success the program had under Coach Dye from 74 to 77 and even, uh, prior to Coach Dye with Coach Randall, it certainly set the program up yeah. to be in the position when that divide between Division 1A and 1AA took place in 1978 or prior to that season. Um, the Pirates were certainly not going to be anything but the NCAA's highest division because that's where um, mm-hmm. our football obviously belong. There um, was only, only two home games lost in down in uh, what it was Ficklin Stadium then, but there was only two home games lost there. Uh, from 71 to 79. Absolutely. And, uh, Stephen, as we're, as we're wrapping this up, I know, um, you referenced on what, you, where you are now. And we mentioned it multiple times during the interview as far as being back in your native Georgia now, right outside of Atlanta. So, um, remind Pirate Nation what you've been up to this last decade plus. And, uh, if you're on social media, how they can follow you on social media and so forth. Uh, so as, like I said before, I'm in Atlanta or in the suburb in Alpharetta right now. Um, um, married with, uh, two little girls. I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, and both those girls do love sports. My youngest one, I put out all the toys out there. The first thing she grabs is her little plastic set of golf. So that thing is, that, that's making me very happy. Um, but, uh. After school, I actually um, got a job uh, in sales uh, with an alumni that really helped me out, uh, John McDade. He was a huge Pirate fan. And after the games, uh, I met him my junior year, and uh, his son wanted to come to the locker room one day. Brought him in, and I would do that every couple times a year. His son, Austin, which he plays baseball at uh, Valdosta, not Valdosta, um, LaGrange College right now in, uh, in Southwest or 
central West Georgia. But um, uh, I'm in Alpharetta right now and uh, in dental sales. And um, uh, I was looking forward to the Pirates coming to Atlanta this year to play Georgia yeah. State. But uh, I'm crossing my fingers that uh, we're, we're still having a season. And I'm being very hopeful because I think our country does need uh, something, needs football or something just to get their mind off all the mess that's going on right now. Um, but um, I always enjoy trying to go back to, to Greenville every one or two years, uh, every year or two. So um, uh, really looking forward to this coaching staff turnaround. Uh, I think Coach Houston is going to have them, these boys playing very hard, and I think we're going to get to a bowl this season. And, and I think in the near, very near future, we could we could be competing for a uh, conference championship. So I'm very optimistic about them and, and what he's done at other universities. I believe he'll do even that, if not more, at East Carolina. No doubt about it. And um, growing up in Augusta, um, I, I talked about your love of golf, and I know you've never had the opportunity to play Augusta National. Um, but I just thought of this um, because you were saying things going on this fall, and uh, unfortunately the Pirates may or may not be making that trip to Atlanta to take on Georgia State. But the Masters is scheduled right now for November. Uh, so do, do you think it will be yep. played? And uh, if so, will you potentially be in attendance? I actually will be going to that uh, this year. I had tickets. I was planning on going last year, or not last year, but this past um, spring. But um, I have tickets to go uh, on that Tuesday. So uh, I actually won the lottery this year. I usually just get tickets from friends. So uh, it was very nice that uh, I was a little bummed uh, at first because uh, I was like, oh, the one year I win the lottery, I don't get tickets. <laughs> I don't get to use them, but but this could be even better because uh, if it's the one time the Masters is at the fall, in the fall, I mean to be able to go to that, it's pretty special. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, well, Stephen, you've been very generous with your time. I know we certainly enjoyed the chat, and um, um, very cool that we're able to have one of your former teammates on and, and with Jay to co-host, and also uh, a couple of uh, Georgia boys connecting. So. Again, we appreciate the time. Uh, would love to have you back on the show sometime down the road. And uh, all the best to you and your family uh, down in Georgia. Thanks, Bubba. Uh, appreciate talking uh, to y'all today and having me on the show. Jay, great catching up with you. And uh, y'all have a great one, everyone. Absolutely. Pirate Nation, that is former East Carolina wide receiver uh, from 2003 to 2007, Stephen Rogers. Uh, these 50 Pirates and 50-day interviews will continue um, over the next few days, um, I've put it on the bottom of the screen, um, but we will be catching up with former East Carolina place kicker, Michael Barbour, also a former defensive lineman turned offensive lineman, Robert Jones, um, former defensive lineman, Jeff Cook, and others over the next several days. So make sure you like and follow our page, subscribe on YouTube to our YouTube channel, and um, that way whenever we post new content, uh, you will certainly and get that alert on your phone and be able to watch it or listen to it whenever you have the opportunity. Um, but for right now, uh, for my co-hosts, Terry Gallagher and Jay Sonhalter, I'm Bob Rosenbaum, and you have been listening to uh, in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Go Pirates. <laughs> Go Pirates. Uh, You've been listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Remember, each of these interviews can be seen on our Facebook and YouTube channels, or the audio only can be heard exclusively on SoundCloud and Anchor. 
Wherever you watch and listen to the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Sports Injected Podcast. Go Pirates!